0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Product Startup Podcast, a podcast that helps bring your product idea to life by chatting with successful inventors, product designers, and other industry professionals. This podcast is run by Macro Design and & Invent and hosted by Philip Belecha. Our goal here is to get to the bottom of what makes a product successful, from initial idea to putting your product on the shelf. We're taking you step-by-step step to build a functional product and scale your product business. Now onto the show.
1: The Product Startup Podcast, Episode 8. <laughs>
2: Welcome to the Product Startup Podcast, helping you turn ideas into successful products step by step with your host, Philip Valitza.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Product Startup Podcast. In the last episode, we heard from Fabienne Serrier. She created Knit Yak, a business she funded through Kickstarter that sells scarves knitted using patterns based on algorithms founded in mathematics, computer science, and hacking. Each Scarf is unique, and she uses a computer program to feed her industrial CNC knitting machine a new pattern for every order. If you haven't heard that episode yet, make sure to check it out. Before I get into today's content, I wanted to thank someone who left the review on iTunes. M. Jerome 2 says, Great podcast for DIYers. Philips Podcast is a great resource for all entrepreneurs in the DIY space or those interested in entering the space. His guests are authentic and have been there and done it. Inspirational. Keep it up. Thanks a lot. I'm Jerome too. I really appreciate your comment. So if you haven't left a message yet, I'd really appreciate you letting me know what you think. Just go to theproductstartup.com review. And now onto the show. In today's episode, I'm joined by Doug Marshall, the founder of The Game Face Company. Doug invented a better way to paint your face. The Game Face Company creates temporary face tattoos and masks that peel off using FDA approved materials made in the USA. They make custom designs for companies and work great for sports teams or large events. Doug will get into behind the scenes of Shark Tank and his partnership with Laurie Grinner and Mark Cuban. So let's get started. Hi Doug, thanks for coming on the show today.
2: Hey Bill, thanks for having me.
1: So please tell everyone a little bit about yourself and uh, where you started and kind of where you are now.
2: Sure. Well, uh, I'm Doug Marshall and we have uh, the Game Face Company. And basically, I patented the uh, full-face temporary transfer uh, that replaces face paint and costume masks. We started the Game Face company in October of 2007 and introduced the product January of 2008 and just been kind of developing the product ever since, growing the company.
1: So that's pretty great. Can you talk a little bit about Shark Tank?
2: Well, we started the, the company and got the product out there And uh, it started off as just a full-face tattoo, basically, and then we developed it into a peel-away product, and that got us into uh, producing products for Marvel, and we did the kiss faces, and it really took off in the costume industry, and for years, people have been saying, oh, you should get on this new show called Shark Tank. Like yeah, I really don't have time, you know, and because you know, as you know, when you start a company, it takes up a lot of time, and uh, of course, I'm married, have two kids, and that takes up a lot of time as well. Anyway, after hearing it for so many years, I thought, well, heck, I'll just look into it and see what exactly this Shark Tank show is, because I really hadn't watched it and really didn't know anything about it.
1: So basically people egged you on to go on and uh, how did you do?
2: I looked into the auditions and to see how you actually get on the show and you can do it a couple of ways. One is you can do it online, send in a video and just apply that way, or you can actually go and audition for the show. And I thought, well, with our product being so visual, um, it would be really cool just to go and, and audition. So i actually, uh Went out to L.A. and took my dad and my uh, my son, and I've got a brother out in L.A. I thought, well, hey, we'll just make it a family trip and go audition. So we did, and uh, interesting, I really think they should make a show out of the audition because it's so entertaining, all the different kind of people that are there. We pulled up to the hotel, and part of the rule was you couldn't get in line until that, the day of the audition. Of course, we were there the day before, and the line had already started. Jeez. So we got out, and I said, go get a spot in line. So (laughs) my son ran out, and we were actually 51st in line. And uh, the line just kept growing and growing, you know, through the day and throughout the night. And it went down over a mile down the street. Wow! (laughs) All these people with their products and their ideas. And so we took turns, staying out there. And the next morning, I actually did the – the audition, they take you in groups of a hundred and you go in and they kind of give you a legal kind of discussion about what you can do and what you can't do. And, and so you've got three minutes. Once you walk up to a table, you know, they say, okay, you go to that table and tell that producer about your product. You've got three minutes. So we walked up to a table and I said, okay, we've got this, as you can see, we've got this full-face transfer that we invented and we've got a patent on it and we make them for so many you know, different distributors, and we do sport colors, and we do you know, Halloween things. Mm-hmm. She goes, oh, well, that's really cool. And uh, she said, i tell you what, now go to video. Tell that guy over there you're, you can go to video. So I tell him, okay, then you wait another three or four hours in line, and then they videotape you. So we they videotaped our presentation, and, I said, okay, we'll let you know. So I think, you know, it wasn't two weeks later they called and said, yeah, we want you. You know, we, you know, we had a lot going for us as far as a patented product, a proven um, track record as far as sales. You know, our company was up and, and running, you know, the visual product of a family business, So we auditioned in June and we filmed the show in July.
1: And I've heard that a lot Um, now that the first round, whenever you go and talk to producers, they actually are more interested in the story and The second round, whenever you actually get on the show, that's when they're more interested in the business. Would you say that was true?
2: Yeah. I mean, the producers are looking for the entertainment value mostly. And then they kind of look at the, you know, is it an actual product? Is it something that's interesting? Is this something that you know the consumer could use? There's just all kinds of ideas and people trying to pitch what they've got. You know, some people were there just pitching a TV show. Wow. It's, just, it's wild. You know, we had an actual product and had some success, and then when you go to do your video, they want to see, all right, how are you in front of the camera? Can you speak clearly and stand up there and describe your business and your product? That's
1: really hard. I've been behind the camera a few times, and I feel like the camera just steals your soul. You know, it's like the American Indians when, <laughs> like, like you're looking into in, into the yeah. abyss. It's a lot easier when you're having a conversation with somebody versus just standing in front of a camera and giving a monologue.
2: Right. And then on top of that, you know, you could be great in front of the camera, but then you don't know how you're going to react when you're actually out there in front of the sharks when it's live and you're really filming. Right. That's what the pressure is.
1: Yeah. And they're asking you tough questions and you're nervous. So tell me about that. So you went on the show in July. How did that go?
2: Yeah. So we, um, you know, you have to memorize your pitch and that's really the most nervous thing to do. I guess what you're the most nervous about is remembering your pitch because they want you to say it exactly how, you, you know, they've helped you develop it. You write it and they go, why don't you say this or don't say that.
1: I've always wondered about that because I feel like people go on the show and they all seem to give really pretty decent presentations. And, and I thought, man, that's pretty, that's an anomaly.
2: Yeah, well, that's the pitch. You know, that's just the initial mm-hmm. pitch, and it's usually three or four sentences. You know, it lasts just uh, a minute or so, and then that's it. Once you've got that, then you're free willy nilly. You're on your own. So, to me, the nervous part was, you know, remembering the pitch. So we, you know, we fly out there, and I thought, well, hey, I'll have the kids on. I've got two kids. They were ten and twelve at the time. And my wife went, so we went out there, and uh, it's a three-day process. You know, they put you up in the hotel, and the first day you go, and it's all uh, legal. So you're in meetings, and again, they tell you, okay, you've got this contract. They go over the contract, what you can do, what you can't do. uh, You know, things like, oh, they can actually take 5% of your company. That was the stipulation that was in there with early shows and it was in our show. our show they had the right to 5% of your company. Mm-hmm. They, they've taken that out since they don't do that anymore but th- just things like what you can use in marketing with Shark Tank you know, can you use the logo can you use it on the product mm-hmm. do speaking engagement uh, one thing is um, you can't run for office two years after you air
1: that's interesting
2: so so just things like that so you do that that's the first day that's just all legal the second day is when you go through your pitch, you know, they've got your backdrop, they set it all up. You're kinda of back in a warehouse and you go through a mock you know, your mock presentation and there's people sitting there that are representing the shark. You know, they tell you where to stand. You know, it's all, it's pretty flexible. They're thinking of camera angles and where the kids should stand, where you should stand, where you're going to put the display and all of that. That's
1: pretty good. Basically, you do a dry run, so you're not sitting in front of them for the first time and having to try to get everything right.
2: Right. Yeah, you're... You know, the sharks aren't there, but at least you've gone through it all with the producers and, uh, you know, they've seen it. And that way it gives them the ability and the chance to make changes. Okay, we'll move over here and do this. And and for example, in our show, I peel off my face and um, in the rehearsal, I just rolled it up and stuck it in my mouth and started chewing on it. And they said, "What are you doing?" And I said, um, "Just chewing on this." Oh, you can do that? I said, "Well, yeah, it's safe. I mean, it's FDA-approved materials." And she said, oh, we'll do that on the show. Right. So, you know, they saw that, and so I actually did it on the show, and a lot of people remember that. Oh, you're the guy that ate your face. That's you know, funny. Said, yeah, that's funny. Well, that,
1: I guess that's the thing. They look for that one thing that will set you apart from everybody else, so you're more memorable.
2: Yeah, and just they know what's entertaining and what's, you know, they have an eye for that. So then the third day is, you know, you're up. So uh, we got up and they the van, you know, picked us up and took us to here at Stony Pictures. We were in Studio 22 and you go in and you just basically sit in this black, curtained-off area the whole morning. Now, we were the second pitch to go on to be presented and they do nine in a day. So it was kind of good that we were, you know, early. It's kind of nice to go in and get it over with. I uh, didn't have to think about it all day. Right. And one thing they did about us, you know, we had to go in and get ready for the show and put our, our uh, game faces on. And They didn't want the sharks to see us until we were walking down the hall. There are monitors, and they can see what's going on kind of you know, backstage, I guess. And so they had us keep our back to the cameras. So that when we walked out there, it was the first thing they saw, they wanted to get the reaction. That's
1: funny. You walked out on stage and gave your presentation. How did it go? What was the reception?
2: Well, you know, one thing I did ask before I went on, and I'm with my kids, and we didn't know how that was going to work. And I said, well, how long are we going to be out there? And they said, well, normally you'll be out there 30 or 40 minutes. And I said, oh, okay, you know, that's, you know, that's good. And so ended up my, I, I was out there for two hours. Oh, wow. My thing's presentation went on and on and on. And you'll notice, you know, they said, well, kids, you know, it's time for y'all to leave, which was good that they didn't have to stand there the whole time right. <laughs> during the show. But, um, we walked out and, you know, did our presentation and gave uh, samples to, uh, to the sharks And um, then, you know, after I'd given the pitch and then the kids left and we started going over all the... opportunities of this product and what industries that it's applicable in. And that's the thing about our product, It's you think, oh, well, sport fans, you know, paint their face and Halloween trick-or-treaters, but, um, you know, we do a camo line, which we really don't even promote, which is a great product for hunters. Well, which means it's also a potential product for the military, which we really even haven't pursued. And then, it's also in the promotional product industry. So, it's a great way for companies to put their logo on people's faces and give out $10,000, or 30000 at a game.
1: Right, because you could scale up production on that. You don't have a bunch of people painting faces. You hand out pre-printed faces.
2: Yeah. Like I quoted the Cowboys last year, they were doing a promotion with AT&T, and it was kind of a last-minute deal. They said, "We really, we need a product. We need it quick. Can you get me a product? That's around a dollar thirty each. You need thirty thousand. Jeez. In fact, and I said, yeah, I got a bandit mask, and I can get it to you for a dollar each at thirty thousand. Wow. They need going with an bob thing, but you know we can get down to a price where it's a great giveaway. Wow. And it's a great visual, you know, product. You know, we started brainstorming with the. You know, that's the fun part. You're on this big uh, business counseling session with these successful business people and they've got ideas. and So at one point, I laughed. At, you know, I was up there just listening to them argue with each other. And Robert was arguing with Kevin, and Mark was arguing with Robert, and they were all kind of yelling at each other. And I, I just stood up there, I think I was there for 10 minutes just standing there. And I said, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> And uh, we're trying to, I was trying to explain to them we want to brand the company and we've got other products. We can do glow in the dark, we can do glitter, you know. And, and Robert said, Doug, Doug, hey, you're overselling. You're overselling. <laughs> so it just went on and on. Yeah. So it, it looks like on the show, when you see our show, you're seeing 15 minutes. Looks like Damon's out. Robert's out. Robert's mad at me, and all you know. You know? Right. <laughs> There's all the drama there, but it really went on for a long time. The other thing also is that the producer said, "Hey, Doug, just do the best you can. Be yourself. Be relaxed." And they said, "You know what? The editors can make you look good, or they can make you look bad, and it's all in their hands." And so, and it's true because you're going to have bad.
1: Problems. Right. Absolutely.
2: You're gonna have good moments, and ours we have a little. You know, there's a bad moment, then it gets better.
1: <laughs> right, they have to sell the story a little bit. Yeah. So tell yeah. everybody how it ended.
2: So what's interesting about my show, our, our episode, is we had we were the first company to uh, be offered a million dollars. Wow. So they really uh, promoted that. You know, company gets offered a million dollars. You know, coming up, and uh, the thing about our show also, we filmed it in July, and we didn't. We thought, oh, well, we're going to air probably around Halloween. It's kind of a, a Halloween item. Halloween no. came and went, didn't air. And they said they'll they'll call you two weeks before it airs. So but then Christmas is coming up, and we're waiting, and you can't say anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can actually fine you. I think it was like $1.5 million if you tell anybody. Jeez. <laughs> what happened on the show? Right, And here I've got two kids who are going to school in a small town. And everybody knows we just filmed Shark Tank. Right. So like, you know, I can't tell you, can't tell you. So finally, we ended up being the first show to air in January. And of course, we got the notice. So we had a big party and watched it. So I had three offers. I had an offer from Kevin, basically to bank us. Um, I had an offer from Lori and Mark together. And then I had an offer from Mark just to buy the company for a million. Wow. And so when you know, you're up there and you get these offers, so now they're like, okay, what do you want to do? What's your decision? So I'm standing up there like, okay, I need to buy some time. And so I said, well, I'd like to talk to my family. And I said, oh, yeah, that's fine. So the, the producer runs back to uh, the lorry, you know, my wife, who's sitting there in the back waiting. And they're like, you're on. And she's like, what? She's like, yes, you've got three offers, and Mark's offered him a million dollars, and you've got to go on. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, so she's like, oh, my gosh. So they run her out to the hall. So I meet her in the hall, and uh, we start talking. And I'm trying to remember, okay, now what are all the offers here? <laughs> so we're going over and over the offers. And uh, at one point, oh, I had peeled off my face and had left a portion of it on my nose. And I didn't know it was on my nose. And she reached over and she asked, oh, yeah, pick that, get that off my nose. And they rushed, the camera people rushed us and said, don't touch his nose. Continuity, continuity. (laughs) So she couldn't pick it off my nose. So I had to leave it on my nose. And we kind of discussed it. And One thing that's not on the show, Kevin yelled out, Hey Doug, it's only an hour show. I said, okay, I gotta go. How
1: long did they give you to make that decision? That's a pretty big decision.
2: Well, it wasn't long. I can tell you that. It probably seemed like forever, but it was probably two or three minutes. I mean, it, wow. Yeah, you got cameras rolling, and you got to decide. So I came back and um, had a little counter offer, and then we agreed. So I ended up with Mark and Lori. They invested four hundred and fifty thousand. Total, so uh, two hundred twenty-five thousand each for a total of thirty-five percent of the company, and uh, so we use that capital to further develop the peel-away tattoo, and then also develop the what we call the dry up apply or the peel and stick phase.
1: Okay, because uh, because until now you had a printable tattoo, and that was it.
2: Yeah. So up to that point, we just, you know, we had a tattoo Okay. that basically you washed off. And what I had shown was the peel away, which is something we were developing, but we had to go into production with it.
1: What was the patent on? If you don't mind sharing, like, was it on the manufacturing process?
2: Our patent is a utility patent on a full face transfer. So anything you put on your face, that's full face, that's our patent. So it includes any type of transfer. So we had to develop it so that Well, you know, you could put anything on your face, but then you got to get it off. So we developed the peel away tattoo, which no one had ever developed a water application peel away tattoo. So that's our tattoo face. And then we thought, well, you know, if you're at a game and as a promotional item or something you're going to buy at the stadium, you know, you're not going to have scissors and water and everything to put it on. So then we came up with the dry apply. Uh, which is a peel and stick, like a sticker that goes on your face. And it's a 3M, it's a breathable, FDA-approved material, topical, which means it's safe for your skin. It's made for skin application, and it has flexibility to it. So it's like a stick-on mask. Wow. So we call that the fan mask and the bandit mask.
1: That sounds really cool. So did you go through the FDA approvals yourself, or did you use an existing material that was already approved?
2: Well, we had to on the Tattoo Face because we developed a whole new adhesive. Ah. So we did on that. So you had all the safety data sheets to go through. And then on the 3M, the dry apply, it's already done because it's already created. Right. So we just used it for that application. So we didn't have to, thank goodness, on that.
1: So that's... But... No, go ahead.
2: (laughs) We do sell to Europe. So this would be good for your listeners. So now anytime you sell anything in Europe, you've got to get what's called CE certified. It's kind of like the FDA in the U.S., but or or depending, like it's UI, it's UL for electronic goods. CE certification for Europe. So you've got to go through the process of getting their safety data sheets showing that it's safe to use. And so we had to do that for our European uh, distributors.
1: Wow! So the
2: rest of the country, the rest of the world is pretty much okay with FDA-approved material. You know, South America, Central America. Europe, you know, they had their own certification.
1: Right. Can you maybe talk a little bit into detail? So I'm sure there's people that have their own health product that might be governed by the FDA. The FDA has pretty, I think it has some pretty broad uh, categories that it goes into. Right. Anywhere from anything that you ingest to anything that's topical. I've seen some home health aids that have to be uh, FDA approved.
2: It's a little difficult to kind of comprehend, but it's not, a product isn't FDA approved. It's the ingredients. It's the materials that it's made out of.
1: Oh, interesting. So,
2: you know, you could have a product, but you've got to make sure that the product materials that you use to make to create that are FDA approved. People say it's FDA approved, but it's really it's FDA approved materials. And that's the same with C E certification. You could have a product, but if they don't have it listed as a material that's approved for you to use, whether it's a chemical or an element or, you know, whatever you're putting in there. Then you're not going to get approved because the material has to be approved.
1: And, and you had to get your adhesive approved. So right. you, did you go, actually go to a lab that specializes in that or did you do that yourself?
2: Yeah, there are labs. There's all kinds of labs that you can uh, use that'll test your product. And our lab we use was Intertech and they have offices in the U.S. and Hong Kong, and uh, the U.K., so, but there's other labs out there as well. So you just you know contact them and say, hey, I've got this material. I want you to test it. I need them to have the safety data sheets. I need it for U.S. and Europe.
1: I bet that was pretty daunting process if you haven't gone through it before, but it sounds exciting too.
2: Yeah. Well, it is. It's daunting and... <laughs> you know, everything else. I mean, you know, whether you're dealing with trademarks and copyrights and patents, you know, you've got attorney bills and just a lot of details to keep track of. And, and it's just part of running a business. You know, you have to watch everything. And basically I had to do it. We were a small business and we're still a small business. So if you're an entrepreneur and you've got an idea and you want to create a product, there's different ways to go about it. But if you're going to create a product, have it manufactured, start a company and start distributing it, you got a lot to do.
1: (laughs) No, yeah, I could totally see that. Could you give people a kind of a ballpark level of Effort, maybe how long the process took, and maybe roughly how how much it would cost for someone to do something like that.
2: Any in industry um, in the trade show business, if you're a startup company and you've come back to the show and you're there for the third time, they consider you a success because so many companies go out of business uh, after the third year, and a lot go after go out after the first year. So it's a matter of uh, you know having enough capital to sustain. And then try to make your money with the product you feel like you can get the biggest hit out of right away to get you started. You know, like us, we developed this product. I mean, this, this product just came to me in a dream. I had a dream that my wife and I were at a football game and the guys next to me had painted their faces. And it was a mess. It was coming off. It was a hot day. And in my dream, I just said, why don't I do a full face transfer? You could print anything, put it on and feel it off.
1: That's crazy.
2: Well, yeah. So that's where it started. All right. So then I started measuring faces, and I made uh, templates out of fabric, and you know, and decided, okay, am I going to go forward with this or not? You don't tell anybody about it till you get at least a patent pending. Over. Right. And so you're looking at about twenty-five to thirty thousand dollar investment there, just getting your patent. So we just kind of hit the bullet, and went forward with it. You've got to look into that, you know, where do you want to take it? Where do you see the product? Is, are you, uh, and also look at your own abilities. I mean, there are a lot of inventors out there, but they're not marketers. Right. They're not salespeople. Yeah. And
1: they might not even be small business owners.
2: No. And and I get, I mean, I couldn't tell you how many products I have on the shelves that people have sent me saying, can you take on my product and bring it under your, your company wheelhouse, so to speak. Wow. So yes, but you know, I knew that you know I'd been in sales, I'd been in management. I was the sales manager for years for a company, and I, I, I lived in Taiwan for a year when I was 25. I moved off and got into import export, just you know did it. So I knew I, I could do it. It's just I needed the capital. And, and that's what a lot of people run into. It's like, oh, I got this great idea. I know I can manufacture it, but I I need some capital to get it started. And so the best place to go if you're starting a business, you know, the bank's not going to lend you anything. And and an an investor, uh, a big investor is going to want most of your item, most of your product, most of your company. And so I just went to friends and family. (laughs) That's where you really get started. And I said, listen, I got this idea. I think it's a million-dollar right. idea, so I'm going to sell you a percentage of it for $10,000. <laughs> so Because I, I said, it's a million-dollar idea. I'll sell you 1% of the company for $10,000. And I was able to raise $80,000, and that, was, that got us started.
1: So you gave away 8% of your company when you first started.
2: Yeah, so that's how we started. So oh. now we've got those that 8%, and then we've got Mark and Lori. I knew going into Shark Tank that I wanted to maintain 51% of the company, so I would have the majority. Control. Right. So we did it. It all worked out.
1: When did you get the money from Shark Tank, and then what have you done with that in the last, I guess, couple of years?
2: Oh, well, that's, yeah, that's a whole nother. <laughs> well, how much time you have, but I'll, I'll tell you this short story. I was in Chicago at the Houseware Show a couple of years ago, and so people said oh hey there's some other people here from shark bank and it's those people that had the um oh it's some sort of an apparel bag that the cleaners would hold for you and you could reuse hmm, okay. it Do you remember those guys it was a couple from California. yeah i think i remember them and i said oh yeah go over there and talk to them and, and so i went over there and i met them and they said oh yeah yeah we uh we were just talking about you we were with the The two guys that had the tea company and another uh, group that was on Shark Tank, and they said, "You know what we call you?" I'm like, "No, what do you call me?" And they said, "We call you the Carrie Underwood of Shark Tank." (laughs) Really? And I go, "Oh yeah." They said, "You got the best deal," and your deal went through the exactly how it was shown on TV. And I said, "Well, yeah, don't most of them?" And they said, "Oh no, well the." And I and I had read this. The New York Times uh, did a study, and sixty percent of the deals that you see don't go through.
1: Oh my God! Wow, that's crazy. And
2: they looked at me, and they they looked at me, and they said, "Did you lie?" And I said, "What?" And I go, "You know, did you lie?" I go, "What do you mean?" And he go, "I said, well, most of the people lie." And he said, "Really?" And they said, "Yeah, they lie about you know how long they've been in business. Do they have a patent or are they trademarked? What their sales are? What their profits are?" Wow. So do you know, the- come into the company they own.
1: That's pretty short-sighted because, you know, they're going to do their due diligence before they put any money into
2: it. I know. So I said, no, I wasn't going to go on national TV and lie. (laughs) So yeah, to answer your question, there is about a six month period where they do their due diligence and they look into you and who you are and your company. And so um, they looked into us and we were exactly what we said we were. So what we did is we actually created a whole new company we created global sport products and we incorporated out of Delaware. And that's what Mark and Lori wanted to do. So we wrote up all new papers, reworked out our ownership and that way we kind of started off a clean slate, you know, with this new company and the ownership and everything. So, you know, it, it right. took a while and there are horror stories that I'm sure you've, you know, as many people as you've interviewed and talked to maybe heard some of the stories about, the Sharks Never Funding. Have you heard any of those stories?
1: Honestly, it's the first time I've heard of it, but I haven't really focused on following up with everybody that gets an offer, so that's interesting.
2: Yeah, yeah, I've heard some stories, and I've talked to some uh, some people. There's all kinds of stories in Shark Tank. Um, one one in particular is a guy that I've become friends with that was on Shark Tank that went on, made a deal is in the commercials for Shark Tank, but never aired.
1: Wow, that's he terrible.
2: Doug, I never aired. I go, you're kidding. He goes, no, they even show me on a commercial, and I never even aired.
1: And of course, he never got funding for it.
2: Right, and so well, he could have. And it's all about. That's what people, you know, need to understand. It's not about going on and filming. It's not about getting a deal. It's about airing. If you air, you've basically won a multi-million dollar ad campaign for your company, whether you get funding or not.
1: Right. I've definitely noticed that in the last few campaigns. I feel like people intentionally ask some ridiculous amount of money just to get rejected by the sharks so they can use that free publicity and not really give anything away.
2: Yeah. And I don't see how they get away with that because, you know, I went in asking for 650000 mm-hmm. And the producer said, you can't do that. I'm like, why not? He goes, no one's ever asked for that much. I'm like, well, that's what I'm asking for. And they just begged me please, <laughs> please don't ask for that much. So I thought about that. Okay, I'll ask for 450. All right, that's fine. That's funny. And I think the sharks know that. I mean, they go in and they're asking you know, for that amount. And who knows how many of those shows you never see, you know, that they film and they never do air. Yeah. So, uh,
1: so that everybody knows you filmed in the summer of 2012, right? And then it aired at the end of 2013. Is that?
2: It aired in uh, January of 2013. I was actually the first presenter of the new year in 2013.
1: And so here we are three years later and you've had two new partners in the company. Um, How has that helped you grow?
2: And we, we aired again because we did our update. That's right. In season five. So, and we were able to show the new dry apply product. So, evidently, and I don't know who measures all of this, but I've been told that we're one of the top 10 shows of Shark Tank. Evidently, it's entertaining. In fact, my niece called us last week and said, Well, they just showed your episode in my business class. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm like, really? Yeah. And she goes, hey, that's my uncle. So anyway, we continue to air. And so uh, with them selling the rights to uh, MSNBC, then it airs internationally. So we air, I would say, all the time, but fairly frequently in different parts of the world. Yeah. And so you're basically, so, you're
1: continually getting publicity.
2: Yeah, we continue to get publicity. What The one thing that did surprise me, of course, we were just hammered with requests and emails and, and phone messages and and it was really difficult at at first because the world cup was going on and we had orders that you know they they wanted millions of these but we couldn't ship because we hadn't perfected the product yet with us it was kind of a catch 22 all of a sudden we became really popular and a great product that we really couldn't sell so it was really it was tough since then you know we've perfected everything and and we continue to air but we didn't really get that really big push at first uh, to be able to ship out product right away. So that kind of hurt us. But since then, and the one thing that really surprised me about Shark Tank is how international it is. And you may not realize it, but people watch it all over the world.
1: No, and I've never thought about that either.
2: Yeah, and it's just not, I'm not talking repeats. I mean, they watch it live. They live stream it from their computers and they're looking for new products and new ideas. We've been knocked off in China. I mean, we've had products stolen. There's a product you can buy that'll have my picture on it that's my design. And everything on Alibaba. And God help you if you put it on your face (laughs) because I had a distributor buy it. And he couldn't take it off his face for two weeks. Oh, wow. And it smelt really bad, he said.
1: <laughs> that's a lesson that you remember for a while.
2: Yeah. So they, you know, they made this product and it looks like ours. They use our templates, you know, our pictures, our designs and everything, but they don't know how to make our adhesive, you know. So that's one of our trade secrets for the, you know, the tattoo face.
1: Have you made an effort to try to patent this internationally, or are you not even bothering?
2: Well, the tattoo face, we didn't because we don't really need to because nobody else knows how to make it. And we're kind of going to the dry apply anyway. So we do have international uh, patent pending for the dry apply. So, you know, we're we're good on that, and uh, we're protected, and as much as we can be. You know, what do you do? They start making it. You could eat up a lot of legal expenses, just chasing copy infringement. arrangement.
1: Right. Yeah. It's not worth your time. So as partners, do you think that Lori and Mark, obviously um, they have huge teams of people that probably help, but what do you get out of being partners with them that you really appreciate it?
2: Number one is we were at a point where we really needed the capital because we were at a, a real growth mode and we were struggling because we had orders, and we needed to d- develop this product, and you know, manufacturing issues, and I needed the capital. So really, number one, that really did help. I mean, that's why we were there, really. Uh, number two, having Mark and Lori gave us kind of a toss uh, in talking to accounts, whether they're retail accounts or distributors or promotional you know, corporation uh, accounts. Um, you know, Mark Cuban is my partner. You can't beat that.
1: Right. You just drop the name and the door's open with the heart playing in the background. and
2: yeah, Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it helps. And most people know just from being on Shark Tank, they know us. So just by airing that, you know, that really opened it up. But Mark, he has his team. Uh, he has over a hundred companies now. And so he's got his team of people that help out with marketing or you know, will advise you on accounting and he's got his own, you know, attorneys that he uses. And, you know, there's things like that that we can plug into Lori does a lot of it on her own. She doesn't have the team as much, but she can plug you in and help you in getting in with like Disney or home shopping or just different retail accounts. Mm-hmm. And then she has really good uh, an eye for design. For example, I knew two weeks ahead of time that we were going to air, that we're going to air in January. So I called Lori and I said, hey, we're airing. And she's like, okay, we got to work on your website. She goes, let's meet. All right, okay, Um, you're in Chicago? And She goes, yeah, can you be here tomorrow? I'm like, well, okay, I guess so. So she goes, okay, fly to Chicago, catch a cab, come to my house, and we'll meet, and we'll go over everything yeah oh my gosh so i did i took off you know like i don't know like four in the morning or six in the morning whatever and flew to chicago cabin the rain got to her house met with her for three or four hours we just basically went through the website Jeez. and she just said okay do this do this do this change that move that, do this do this and you know it was it was great because it really helped so you know she's you know, she's got an eye for design, and because that's her business, you
1: know. Right, and and I think everyone can take something away from this. It's you're not just getting money from an investor. You they should be bringing something else to the table, some unique skill set, or connections, or something to help propel you to the next step. Because a lot of people, I think, look at the money and then maybe stop there. But a partner needs to bring way more than that.
2: Yeah, and it's whatever effort they want to put forth in it. If they see the potential, they're probably going to put forth more effort and what they're doing with you. I mean, I can't speak for Damon or Kevin or Robert of what they do, uh, or Barbara. So, you know, I've heard different stories, but, you know, every company is unique. Every company has its own, you know, issues as far as leadership. You know, I'm I'm willing to listen and make changes, and, you know, if, if they have a better idea, you know, I'm all for it.
1: Well, and that's good that you take that advice. I think people are hesitant of handing the keys over to somebody else to say, wait, no, I'm the one that created this. Like, you're not allowed to tell me what to do. But that's, right. kind of the, that's kind of the whole point of having an investor that has that background knowledge is that if you're going to tell them that they can't have any, a say in it, then you're kind of wasting the uh, contribution.
2: Yeah. And then there's the other side to that too, is that you can't really let them just take control of it because they really don't know the business like you do. Now, maybe if you've got a new product and you're just starting off, but, you know, we've been in business three years and had over 400, you know, retail accounts, and I knew the product backwards and forwards, and I knew what the potential was and what the p- potential wasn't. So, um, you know, at the same time, you've got you've to gotta go off your gut feeling. Right, basically
1: make an educated uh, argument on why you feel a certain way and um, be able to back right. it up. Otherwise, I guess they'll... Uh call you out.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, it's Shark Tank and going on and getting an investor and and doing all of that is, um, sorry for the background noise, is a little more than just going and getting an investment group and um, having the money and running your business. There's a lot more to it. And there's, a wouldn't say a lot, but there are more pressures because you're dealing with not only uh, successful business people, you're dealing with celebrities. So, right. um, and that's different than just dealing with your you know businessman who lives two doors down that's got you know a couple hundred thousand right. to invest somewhere. And then you're dealing with Shark Tank. I showed the video and uh, I speak at Chamber of Commerce groups that want to know about business and entrepreneur groups and volunteer and, and and you know do stuff like that and uh, because people are really curious you you kind of become a right. figure in a sense i didn't really know how people watch shark that much. <laughs> really i didn't even know much about it when i went on and when people are recognizing me in an airport are you kidding me you recognize the person that was on shark
1: hey, that's really great <laughs>
2: Yeah, how is that possible?
1: Congratulations on all your success. Can you talk a little about where your sales are now or how, if, if you've achieved the goals that you set out for yourself?
2: You know, we have, we're, you know, we're still under a half a million. We're, you know, we haven't even done a million yet. So we're still new in a sense because we've got this new product coming out. And so uh, with the fan mask and the bandit mask, and then we've come out with the new jewel face.
1: I have to ask you, you, you talked about your manufacturing process being proprietary does that mean that you have that in-house or do you still outsource your manufacturing?
2: We we outsource all of our manufacturing. Okay. We don't have the volume enough to keep a manufacturer busy. And most companies are going to be that way. If you're going to manufacture your product yourself, that machinery or your mechanism or however you're going to manufacture needs to be running all the time. Idle machinery costs money. So unless we're just cranking out faces, you know, eight hours a day, It's not economical or feasible really for us to be manufacturing it. And there's enough manufacturers out there. Now, our products made in the U.S., would we go to China? Possibly. We already did with the jewel face. I couldn't find a manufacturer in the U.S. that could make the jewel face. There isn't Mm -hmm. one. So I had to go to China. I didn't have any choice. So, you know, we do have those relations, you know, in China. And uh, if we reach a volume... Where, because your volume usually is more when you go to China, you know, you've got, you're going to do, instead of thousands, you need to be doing tens of thousands. Right. We'll reach that point, and I think we're going to, hopefully by the end of this year, then we'll have a, a, a relationship with a Chinese manufacturer um, that can uh, crank out our product. So.
1: so, how are you able to protect your idea when it's proprietary, but you're not there every day and you're not running the manufacturing floor?
2: Well, it's no problem in the U.S. because, you know, you've got U.S. patent laws, and so you're not going to run into sure. that. And and our tattoo faces, we keep them made here because I just don't want to show them how to make it. Right. As soon as I do that, cat's out of the bag. As far as our dry apply, it's a um, it's a material that we can control how much material they have, in a sense. But, you know, really, you can only do so much. And so what you want to do, if you're going to have a product, if you're going to start manufacturing overseas and you're concerned about being knocked off. I mean, look at how many Rolex watches you can buy then. Right. You know? Go for it. It's not the same watch, but it sure does look like it. Well, you want to brand yourself. So that's what we're doing with the game face company. And so we've got distributors in different parts of the world and they're basically our game face uh liaison in that country. And we you know have our logo and you know that if you buy a game face company product, it's going to be safe to put on and it's not going to cause you to break out or your child to break out or, you know, Right. so we, you know, we hit it hard. We set up the distribution, we brand ourselves. Great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you've done really well. So, you know, congratulations for getting where you are today and, you know, your story is really amazing. So I really appreciate you sharing that with everybody.
2: Well, sure. I enjoyed it. I mean, I wish I had someone to talk to before I went on uh, Shark Tank. It's you know, I start a business, and I love to talk to uh, people that are just getting started because hopefully I can save them, you know, some time and some money just from the experiences that I've had and my family's had. You know, I can't say that's not a sacrifice. And if if anyone's interested, and if they're going to be, if they're an entrepreneur and they're going to start a business out of scratch, especially, and go out. It's going to be a sacrifice, and the, really your whole family is going to be in it. It's like Mark said the other day in an interview, you know, you've got to go out on the on the end of the limb to get the fruit. Right. You've got to just analyze your life and determine whether you're not only capable or willing to sacrifice to do it. And, it's, and it isn't a one-time, oh, now we've done it. It's a daily sacrifice.
1: Yeah, you're continually grinding.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think about Donald Trump. I mean, how many marriages has he been? Through? <laughs> well... Uh, uh, really, he's a businessman, and, and it's probably probably—it's a sacrifice that he made, uh, and it cost him a family life, in a sense. I,
1: I, I'm not sure that <laughs> Trump took as many wives as he did because he was making sacrifices for <laughs> well, his business, but I think
2: that's very debatable. <laughs> well, I'm just using it um, as an example. I'm sure they're a better examples.
1: <laughs> I can absolutely understand with what you're saying, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, while yeah. we're on the topic, you said that, you know, if you can help some people out from making the same mistakes, did, did you make any that you feel that other people can learn from?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure. Oh, I'll tell you one mistake that um, I would never do is pay a royalty on your sales to an investor, and investors will agree with you on that, uh, because when you're starting a company and starting a new product and then developing new product, you're cash-strapped so the last thing you want to do is be having to pay out a percentage of your sales. Now, if it's gaining sales, you know, that's another thing. I've got uh, sales reps, and for example, oh, that's another bit of advice. If you're going to get sales reps, don't get reps that just want to carry your line and then go sell it. Get reps that specialize in certain accounts. So if you've got a product and you want to try to get into Walmart, find a rep that only calls on Walmart. And they're out there. That's, a, that's their only account. They're Walmart reps. That
1: makes complete sense because they're basically a specialist and, and they know right. how to get around the, the, the roadblocks that normal reps wouldn't.
2: Right. And they've been calling on Walmart for you know, 10, 20, 30 years and they've got the relationships and they know how to do it. Uh, same way with Myers, CVS, Walgreens, Target, Rite Aid. So there are, and that's just from me, you know, making mistakes and then getting the advice of other other, uh, business owners. So
1: speaking of advice, I guess, where did you turn to for that other than the the Sharks after you got them? Were there any books or tools that you really appreciated that helped you out?
2: Uh, You know, I tend to listen to people who I respect that are successful in a sense and maybe in the same situation. So... I had a lot of contact from other presenters or companies and people that were on Shark Tank. And I've, I have some really good friends now that were on Shark Tank and presented and got deals and didn't get deals. And we're kind of a support group with each other. So, in a sense, you're kind of part of a, a fraternity, in a sense.
1: Right. You've got some camaraderie there. You help each other out.
2: Yeah. And also the small business development group in our town, because once we started, we were shipping out of our house, out of the garage, and I really couldn't afford a big office and I needed warehouse space. So I went to the small business development group in our town and they had cheap office space and it was a business incubator so if you want to get out of a house you want to have an office and you don't want to spend too much i mean the regis and you know some of these other places are can get expensive find a small uh, business development group in your in your in your area and they get federal funding some state funding i think and they need businesses to come in to help because then they get more funding. So they're, they really want to help you.
1: Right. So if there's anybody listening, another keyword to search for is called SCORE, S-C-O-R-E. And that's another group of retired executives.
2: Yeah. We had SCORE that was in with the small business group that we were in. Is it SBA? Small Business Administration? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's a good, that's a good point.
1: Well, Doug, thanks again for sharing all your wisdom with everybody. Talk a little bit about some of the uh, new products that you have coming out and where people can find them, whether they're in stores or online, or you know, how can we go get your product?
2: Okay, well, our business model, we're a manufacturer, and then our business model is we have distributors, and then we also sell wholesale, and then we also sell retail. So we're pretty wide open now. The Game Face Company is the distributor in the U.S., and we sell to retail accounts. Uh, you can find our Halloween products only during Halloween in grocery accounts like H-E-B and Albertsons and Safeway and True. Uh, the from True Values, Super Value. But as far as most of our other product, because a lot of it's new, it's uh, at thegamefacecompany.com. It's all spelled out, thegamefacecompany.com. And they're, the product's divided up in the different types of products. So you've got the dry apply, like the fan mask, which you just put and stick on. A new product in that line is the bandit mask, which is really cool and it's fun to wear. And kids love to wear them to games. And also, uh, schools are selling them for fundraisers. So we also have a-
1: That's a great idea.
2: Yeah. It's, it's really cool. So we do the different colors. Uh, you can do custom. Our uh, minimum order quantity (MOQ) is 500 for custom. And so, some of the larger schools will do their own design and buy them. And I think they're like you know two dollars or something, and they sell them for ten or you know it's a great fundraiser. And then we've got, of course, the tattoo faces, which are all in the costume line for Halloween. And the new, the newest product is the jewel face, and it covers your face in rhinestones. And it's really cool because it only leads to rhinestones. So it's great for um, parties, Mardi Gras, weddings, um, girl dress up, princess you know, dress up, um, bachelorette parties. And we sell them in the diamond, the pink, and the crystal blue. And that's there's, uh, the one design and the three colors. And now we're working on new designs for that. In fact, we're even talking to a supermodel about coming out with a whole designer line for
1: the jewel. Now that you mention it, uh, some of the guests that have been on the show have had really great success partnering with either fashion designers or models that do have a following online, and then doing some sort of a uh, a trade agreement with you know splitting revenue or whatever it is in exchange for publicity. Especially if you get somebody on that's popular.
2: Right. And it's a good way to validate your, your product. You know, we manufacture for distributor, which they call them the game day face, and we do all 32 NFL teams and we do 17 uh, licensed collegiate designs. And so we're also in the process of looking for a distributor now for the new dry apply. So we want to get that in the NFL and in the collegiate as well.
1: Well, you have a, quite a bit going on, so I'm definitely going <laughs> to let you go so you can focus on that. But thanks again for sitting down and talking with us. I really appreciate you sharing uh, yeah. your wealth of knowledge with us.
2: I enjoyed it. Let's do it again sometime.
1: And that's all I have for today. Thanks for listening. I put all the links that we've covered under the show notes posted at the slash episode eight. Join me in two weeks when I speak with Gordon Firemark, an attorney devoted to representing creative and business people in media. He's the producer and host of Entertainment Law Update podcast, and he'll sit down and talk to us about the general law issues surrounding small businesses, including patents, trademarks, contracts, NDAs, and we'll even get into insurance. So if you like this episode and you want to see more like it, please leave me a review on iTunes by going to theproductstartup.com slash review. I appreciate your support, and I'll see you in two weeks.
2: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast with your host, Philip Velica. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit theproductstartup.com, your guide to getting there.
0: Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Product Startup Podcast, the show that teaches you what it really takes to bring your product to market and turn it into a big success. This podcast series is brought to you by Mako Design & Invent, the first firm in North America to provide global caliber end-to-end physical consumer product development to startups, inventors, and small product businesses. If you're looking for product development help on your invention, head over to makodesign.com. That's M-A-K-O design.com for a free consultation from one of Mako Design's four design studios from coast to coast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.